Thanks for being here at Homestead Church, everybody. A couple other announcements. This was the moment, if you... If you're around church, there's always the moment where we realize, oh, we forgot to tell Michael this to announce and this and this. So we got a week this week where it's due days here in Farmington, and it's a, it's a big citywide party. So we have a couple of things that we're doing as, uh, for due days. Friday night, in addition to an awesome grad party that's happening in Farmington, um, if you don't feel like doing that, we're doing the bed races. We have a team of people doing the bed races right downtown, and then Saturday morning, we as a church are in charge of the kids' bike parade, and so we've got all the details about that. And then the parade, the big parade, we are going to have, uh, we're walking in the parade. Who who'd always wanted to walk in a parade? Feel like a big deal, important? We'll have people like uh, Savannah and Hoda there, you know, comment, commentary, you know, give them, no, it won't be that. It's not quite like Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Um, but we have, we'll have a float. We'll have stuff for the kids to hand out. So as a church, we are going to meet at the Dakota County Fairgrounds if you want to walk in the parade with us Saturday afternoon. We are meeting there at sometime before the parade starts. I think the parade is at 5. I was waiting for the Lord or my wife to speak to me. Neither one happened. Now I have questions of faith. Um, I think the parade's at 5, so we'll probably meet at, let's just say 4 o'clock at the Dakota County Fairgrounds. Look for us. We'll check, we'll put it on Facebook this week. Um, we'll get our act together and get some information out there. So that's all this weekend. We would love to have you be a part of that. In addition to that, we got a lot of stuff this summer. Um, it's, it's summer season, so if you didn't grab one of these fans, we don't have air conditioning in this lovely Methodist building we meet in. Um, so if you want a fan, which would also count as an amen, if you want to say amen during the service, you can do that. Um, so grab one of those. Uh, but through the summer, we recognize that Sunday morning isn't the time where a lot of people can connect because there's cabins and there's sports and there's vacations and all those things. So as a church, we want to have a lot of events throughout the summer that are just stuff for kids during the week. Kids meet at a park and go play at a park or a splash pad or a pool party. Stuff for teenagers. We're going to plan some family sports nights where the generations will gather together and play in a no-holds-barred game of kickball a couple of times this summer. We'll show those kids who's boss. Um, so we're going to have all sorts of events. We've got some families that are opening up their homes for bonfires or pool parties or dinners, you know, and we even, I, I finalized it this morning with my neighbor, Kevin. We're going to have a beanbag tournament sometime this summer, so get your teams of two ready, and this is, that's, that's trash talk central right there. We're not being nice about that, so. Um, but we're going to have all those dates available this week online. We're going to have a printout next Sunday with just every, every date available, so we would love to have you connect with the church sometime through the summer. There's going to be lots of different opportunities, so we encourage you to do that. And one other thing, which goes along with our sermon today. We are having a summer scripture memory challenge again, and it's going to be awesome, and there's going to be more participation than last time. I don't believe there's possible to have less participation than last time. So it can only go up from here. But we want to memorize a passage from Acts chapter 2. We're actually going to be looking at that passage today. I'm going to be preaching out of that passage today in Acts chapter 2. But through the summer, we want you to read the book of Acts because that that's what we're talking about as a church. And I encourage you as your pastor, take some time and memorize these 10 verses talking about the early church, what we're talking about today. Memorize 10 verses with your kids, with your students this summer. There's not a lot of better ways you can spend your time with your kid than getting the Word of God in them. As a family, memorizing the Scripture, learning the Word of God. So I encourage you to do that. And we have little flip books, little Scripture memory books available as you lead with the verses that we're going to memorize, 10 verses. We can do it. We can do it. 
All right, so if you uh, have a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2 today, part 2 of our summer series on the book of Acts. And last week, in part 1, we talked about the book of Acts. It's written by Luke, the same Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And so this is like the sequel to the Gospel of Luke. This is part 2. This is the Empire Strikes Back of the book of Luke, right? This is where we find out that God is Luke's father. Haha, <laughs> get it? <laughs> that one will sink in in a few minutes. Um, this is the continuation of the story where Luke wrote the gospel of Luke talking about the life and teaching of Jesus Christ. And then the book of Acts picks up during the Great Commission after the death and resurrection of Jesus where Jesus says, you're going to go into all the world and you're going to make disciples and wait for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to come on you and fill you with power and boldness and supernatural gifts of the Spirit. And that's what we talked about last week. We talked about that's the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came. And to fill the Great Commission, this is what we talked about last week, to fulfill the Great Commission that Jesus has called us, not just those first disciples, but he's called all followers of Jesus to fulfill that Great Commission. To do that, we need the Holy Spirit in our life, right? We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. To live the life that God has called you to live, we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. We see that in those disciples. All that God had called them to do, they would not have been able to do without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So whatever God has called you to do next, you need the Holy Spirit. If you are struggling through things, you need the Holy Spirit to come and fill you with power, with anointing, with gifts and abilities to fulfill that great commission that Jesus has called us to do. So that's where we left off last week, just after the disciples had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we read that story as they began to speak in other tongues and other languages. There were all these onlookers who were hearing what was going on. All these other Jewish people from around the surrounding countries, they were all in Jerusalem at that time. And they were listening to this and they were wondering, what in the world is going on? What is up with those disciples? Something is happening. So where we pick it up today is where Peter hears the crowds kind of questioning what's happening to the disciples. He hears them wondering what's going on, and he begins to speak to the crowd. And this is kind of unofficially known as like the first sermon in the New Testament church. Like the Holy Spirit has come, and now the, the Christian Jesus church that we are a part of today. This is like the first ever sermon where Jesus, or Peter gets up and speaks to the crowd, and we're going to read that in, starting in Acts chapter 2, verse 14. And the words will be on the screen. If you want to follow along, there should be some black hardcover Bibles uh, in the pews that you're sitting in. But chapter 2, verse 14, it'll be up on the screen, it says this. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, the other eleven disciples. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. If you read earlier on those verses, some people were like, what's all that speaking in tongues up there? They must be drunk, and maybe you've thought that when you've been at a church service before. Peter says, these people are not drunk, and I love his explanation, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning, so therefore they couldn't be drunk. No, this is what is spoken by the prophet Joel. So Peter is talking to the crowd, and now he's going to quote an Old Testament prophet Joel, verses that you can find in the Old Testament. And he says this, quoting the prophet Joel, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. 
Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. So Peter is reminding these people, a lot of them are Jews who would be very familiar with the Old Testament scriptures. And he's reminding them what the Old Testament prophets proclaimed. And he's saying, hey, the prophets proclaimed that there was going to be a day where the Spirit would be poured out on all people. This should not come as a surprise to you. What is happening is exactly what was prophesied. And that prophecy that God is going to pour out his Spirit on all people, and what we see became reality on the day of Pentecost, where the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, was poured out on all people, is so significant. And I want to talk about that just for a minute, the significance of that moment. Because if you read through the Old Testament, you'll find out that the Spirit of God was moving, and you'll see references, well, to the Spirit of God came and spoke to this person, and the Spirit of God fell on this person. But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, would come on very specific people in the Old Testament. There were anointed people and leaders. This would be the priest or the prophet or the king of Israel. These were God's anointed people that the Holy Spirit would come and speak to them. The Spirit of God would fall on them, and they would hear from God, and they would be given those supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit, and then they would go and proclaim what God was saying to the people. So there was a man responsible for hearing from God and speaking it to the people. That is the Old Testament model of how the Spirit worked. Certain people with God's Spirit on them would communicate for the rest of us. Now the day of Pentecost comes, And the Holy Spirit has come and filled people, all people. The prophets said it in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit's going to come and fall on all people, not just the priest, not just the prophet or the king or the other leader that God has designed. There's no longer a certain specific man who is anointed, but this is all people, men and women, young and old, servants and leaders, all nations. God promised that he would pour out his Spirit on all people. So this is not an issue today where you have to come to church so that the pastor can hear from God and communicate that to you. Maybe you're thinking, maybe you're thinking you still have to live in that Old Testament mentality where, well, I hope the pastor hears from God. I really need to go talk to the pastor so that he can pray for me, so that his prayers have impact and God will hear his prayers. I need to go talk to the pastor or the priest and so that they can hear from God and tell me what God is saying. Don't get me wrong. I love praying for people. I will pray for anybody here. But my goal is to get you to understand this. This is not about me or Christy as your pastors. This is not about in student ministry, Brooke or Stephen hearing from God and communicating it to your students, or you coming to Christy or I and hearing what God is saying. The Holy Spirit is poured out on all people, on all people. So I'll pray for you all day long if you want, but I want you to begin to understand that this is for you to hear from God, to communicate with God, to have those gifts of the Spirit and the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit on you. Right? This is the New Testament church. This is for you. This is not dependent on me. And everybody who knows me said, Amen. Right? This is the Holy Spirit coming on you. And I want you to grow in this. I had a moment this morning 
where once again I had cleaned the kitchen last night and somebody had left their dish in the sink rather than putting it in the dishwasher. And for the 1,000th time I said, how many times will it take for some of my kids to learn the dirty dishes can go right in the dishwasher and skip the middleman, right? Skip the person doing that. And I, and I say it a thousand times and I want them to get that. And I hope someday that I'm preparing them for real life. I'm preparing them to be grown-ups. Well, in the same way, I want to encourage you. you got to take that step. You have to own your faith. This Holy Spirit is for you, right? This is a significant moment. We're not living in that Old Testament outdated model of an anointed person. The Holy Spirit falls on everyone. I want us to do that for our kids and our students, to hear from God. To hear from God. We read in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Holy Spirit does not discriminate. It doesn't say, well, once you're old enough, once you're in the right line of work, once you're in the right nationality. No, the Holy Spirit is poured out on all people. So Peter continues after that, and we're going to jump ahead to verse 36. And Peter goes on to quote more Old Testament prophets. He talks about David. Peter is talking to the crowd who's wondering what's going on. He's quoting more prophets, and then it culminates in verse 36. So he talks about all these prophecies about the Messiah and the coming King and the day of our Lord, and then in verse 36 it says this, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. That's a powerful moment right there, as Peter is really giving this first sermon. This is not seeker-sensitive preaching, right? This is not, hey, everyone, let's just feel good about each other. This is, no, the Old Testament prophets prophesied about this. Now, here is Jesus, who is the Son of God. You killed him, but he rose again. And this is not like a metaphorical, like, you know, our sins put Jesus on the cross. Peter is there talking about, no, I saw some of you there. You were there. You were shouting, crucify him. This Jesus whom you crucified, God has made both Lord and King. This is the gospel message. This is a bold proclamation by Peter about the gospel message. We can have all sorts of different styles of communicating to our friends the gospel message. Sometimes our friends, if you're a believer and you are hearing from God and you have a friend that just needs to hear from the Lord and you go to them and just say, sometimes your approach is a little more blunt. My brother-in-law is here today. He's got this down. I love that about him. He's got a very blunt, like, you're doing this and that's dumb and the word of God says this, so you need to smarten up and get your life together. That's a very kind of straightforward approach. I love that. We need that. Some of you are maybe a little bit more like somebody else who would be more kind and loving and, well, let's just hug it out and then we'll talk about your value and your worth and then eventually we're going to get around to what Jesus wants to speak to you. These are all good things. God made us uniquely wired in our personality to do this, to communicate those ways. But whether you are the straightforward or the lovey-dovey or anything in between, Whatever message you have, it has to be anchored in the gospel message of Jesus Christ is crucified for you, risen as Lord and King. That has to be it. That has to be it. If we're missing that, then all the straightforward advice or all the lovey-dovey hugs don't matter because we are anchored in the central message of Jesus Christ is God and King was crucified for you and now is Lord risen in heaven. That is our gospel message. We have to have that center to any message that we have. 
And then what happens after that? As Peter makes this bold proclamation, you would think the audience there would be like, how dare you? How dare you say that we are guilty? How dare you say this? Who are you to judge us? What happens? We read in verse 37. I love this. When the people heard this, this will be up on the screen. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? They were pierced to the heart. And here you can see the crystal clear effect of the message of the cross right? You can see the effect of that. They were cut to the heart. This is the gospel message. It has power. The Holy Spirit comes when we proclaim Jesus. The Holy Spirit is there drawing people and convicting, and they get cut to the heart, and they receive the message. It doesn't mean that everyone automatically is going to say, yes, thank you for sharing, but we need to be bold and clear in our proclamation of the gospel message. And even the Holy Spirit, when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not, did not come to fill us with gifts so that we can feel good about ourselves, did not come to fill us with boldness or encouragement so that we can just be happy or feel like, hey, look at this cool power I have. The Holy Spirit is there to point people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is doing the same thing. It is about Jesus, the gospel message. In fact, in John 15, 26, it says, Jesus is saying this to his followers, the Spirit bears witness to me. The Holy Spirit is here to point people to Jesus. It is all about leading people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit will draw people, and we pray for people who are lost, and we know the Holy Spirit can go and convict and draw people in, and maybe you're here today and you have no idea why. You just felt like, I'm supposed to go to church today. I believe that that's the Holy Spirit drawing you in because somebody is praying for you. But the Holy Spirit can do that, but the Holy Spirit does that so that all Eyes will focus on Jesus so that lives will turn to Jesus. It is the central message of what we are all about. Anything that we do in faith that doesn't lead people to Jesus is not of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is about bringing people to Jesus. Amen? It is about people coming to faith in Jesus. So when Peter proclaims that on the first day of the church, this message that he's giving to these onlookers, it's the gospel message. That's foundational to him, and therefore it needs to be foundational to us, right? It needs to be what we are about, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So at our church, at Homestead Church, we will gather together on Sundays. We are going to support one another. We are going to encourage one another and pray for one another. We are going to have times outside of this room where we gather as a church and throw parties and have fun and events, and we're going to do fun stuff with the kids and fun stuff with our families. We're going to reach out to our community and community service. We're going to walk in parades so that people will know about us as a church. We're going to, you know, stock food shelves and go minister to the single moms. We're going to do all these things. Those are all wonderful things. But if it is not anchored in the gospel message of Jesus Christ and him crucified, then we've missed the mark. We've missed the mark. We are about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want you to know Jesus. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, that's it. We're gonna, it's going to be great to have you be a part of our family. And we're going to love and support you, but ultimately, we want you to know Jesus. And maybe that's news today, but I'm going to say it right off the top. That is what we want. We want you to know Jesus. And then we want you to go help others know Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the anointing, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Go and help others know Jesus. This is foundational that we see in the early part of the church, and it is foundational in our church today. So in the few minutes I have left, 
I'm going to read the rest of these verses. Now, what I'm reading here is our summer scripture challenge. These are the verses that we're going to memorize this summer, right? Amen. We're all going to memorize them. These are good. This is good stuff. (laughs) That's positive thinking right there. We can do it. All right. I'm going to read verse 37 through 47, and I'm going to stop at a couple parts along the way. Verse 37, we already read it once. Here it is. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That is the gospel there. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, The promise is for you and your children and all those who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Let's pause right there. There's some people who believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was just for those original apostles, that it doesn't happen anymore. What I read there is, this promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your children and for all who are far off. That's us. We're the ones who were far off, generations down the road. The Holy Spirit is for all people today. Verse 40, it continues on. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That would be awesome. Can you imagine? What would we do with 3,000 new people? We'd have to meet outside or something. (laughs) Have to increase our donut order from the Farmington Bakery. But we would do it. That would be awesome. Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. I want to pause there just for a second. Just for a second. I'm going to read that again. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the word and to fellowship with one another and the breaking of bread and to prayer. I want us as a church to have a priority in our life to gather together as the church. It is important. Now, this is, you know, this can come across wrong as the pastor of the church because there could be, you know, all sorts of mixed messages here. I think it's important that you come to church. Right? I think it's important that this is somewhat of a priority. I think it's important that you prioritize gathering together to hear the word of God. And again, it's not about magic words that I'm saying. You can read the Bible at home, but there is something powerful that when we gather together as the believers and we hear the word of God, when we sing songs of praise, we can sing anywhere, but when we sing songs united as the body of Christ, there's just something powerful that happens in our hearts. It is one of the few things that we can do in total unity when we're singing a song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. We're singing a song that we all know together. We're proclaiming the truth of God together. Our faith together is being lifted by hearing the others around us, lifting up those proclamations to God. This is something powerful that happens. So I'm going to say this. I know that there are schedules and sports, and I am totally fine with kids' sports. This is not a, your kids should never play sports because they're not going pro, and I'm not going to say that. I love sports. I played sports growing up. It was easier for my family because no sports were scheduled on Sunday mornings. When I was growing up, no no malls and stores were open on Sunday mornings. You're like, sheesh, when did you grow up? Like, were you in Amish country or what? (laughs) No, it was just the way it was where I grew up. There wasn't anything to compete with church. And I recognize now we got half our church on any given Sunday. They've got sporting events. They've got, especially in the summer, family events, vacations. I get that. I am all for those things. 
But we, you as parents, and we as a church have to recognize there has to be some level of priority that we give to gathering together, to teaching our kids, you know what's important in this family is going to church. Well, you know what's important in this family is learning the Word of God, spending time praying together. I'm all for all the sports, but the, the church part and the Bible and the prayer, these have to be priorities in our family, however that walks out. And this is not a guilt trip. We've got, I had people come to me a few months ago, and they said we hadn't come in a couple of weeks because our kids had sports. So then we didn't come last week when we could have because we thought you'd be mad at us because we missed the other two weeks before. I said, no, that's not it at all. This is a guilt-free zone. I'm saying this as I say to my kids who I want to eat, who I want them to eat their vegetables. I don't want to eat their vegetables. I want them to eat their vegetables. It's good for you. You should do this. You should make this a priority in your life. There is good that happens here when we are gathered around other people. We've got a great community of people at this church. This summer, we're going to have backyard pool parties and bonfires and beanbag tournaments. And that's we're doing that because I recognize Sunday mornings isn't the way for us to connect all the time because there are conflicts. I want us to prioritize gathering together breaking bread together, taking communion and praying together, worshiping together. All right? That was my rant on that. Hear my heart. I recognize there is conflict schedules, schedule conflicts, but I want this to be a priority. This has to be something that is important to you and your family. If you want to pass down something to your kids, man, let it be the Word of God going to church, that foundation of faith that is going to serve them well long after their lacrosse skills have faded. Um, The Word of God will be with them forever. All right, we're going to continue on. Verse 43, I'm going to read the rest of them here, talking about the potential in the early church. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I love that. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen. That just sounds wonderful, doesn't it? I mean, talk about the power of a local church. Talk about the power of Homestead Church in this congregation and all the other local churches around. That is what is available. All the things that were mentioned there, signs and wonders and miracles, prayers being answered, people coming and having things prayed for, sick people being healed, generosity, those who were in need, being helped by those who had abundance, unity. Man, in our world, unity is going to be a thing that stands out more than anything else. We are united in the cause of Christ. Fellowship, where we just simply enjoy each other's company. They gathered together and they broke bread, and with glad and sincere hearts, they spent time together. That sounds wonderful, right? Glad and sincere hearts, and we praise God together, enjoying the favor of all the people. There is potential here Think about the hope that comes through the power of a local church, people who are walking out these verses. Imagine someone, maybe a neighbor, a coworker, a friend or family member who is hurting, who is lost, doesn't know the Lord, and you invite them into something like this, and they experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. They experience when we are worshiping what it's like to be a part of a group of people offering up thanks and praise to God. They experience what it's like to have a group of people rally around them and support them and pray for them. And then their prayers get answered by a powerful God. And then they they get a part of this community, this fellowship, this group of people that are going to lift one another up. 
recognize that there is new life in Christ, they give their life to Jesus. They get filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and then they're going out making new disciples. I mean, the power of the local church, what we get to be a part of. All of this, giving glory and pointing people to Jesus as the Holy Spirit enables us to do. This is what forms everything we do at Homestead Church. Every event, every kid's event, every student ministry, it is about this. We want people to come in and experience this life that we have experienced found in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And we see that it's anchored in Jesus. And we see that God causes growth. That as we do this, we believe that God is just going to direct people here. I think God is looking for churches who are doing the things and ministering the way that he wants and says, okay, they've got it. They understand this. I'm going to flood them with people. Let's go. Let's, let's direct people there because that's a group of people being led by the Holy Spirit, proclaiming the gospel, loving one another, being generous, being united. I believe that God is going to cause growth, but we simply just have our lives anchored in Jesus. We simply love other people. We simply go out and make disciples as Jesus called us to do. And man, do we know that people need it? Do we know that people need that message? We have had a week in our country where depression and suicide has been in the media because of some celebrities and well-known people who have taken their life tragically. And not just that, but man, we have a hurting world. We have a hurting world. It's people in your office, in your school, in your neighborhood, in your family. They need someone to go and say, hey, I know Jesus. I know there is hope in Jesus. I've got this great church that I'm a part of. It can be as simple as just saying, hey, how are things? Could I pray for you? But do something. Go out and make those steps to make disciples because our world needs it. There is great power in the local church anchored in Jesus Christ, filled with the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. I am excited for what God is going to do as we grab hold of that truth. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you and praise you and, again, acknowledge that it is all about you. It is about you. It is about your gospel message. The message of you came, died, and rose for us, that we are sinners. We are lost without you. We deserve death and hell and punishment without you because of our sin that we were born with, and that we just continue to walk out in our sinful nature, but you died for us so that our penalty could be paid and that we could have a right relationship with God the Father. And then you rose again victorious. You sent the Holy Spirit so that we could be filled with power and boldness and anointing to go and make disciples, to go and be your hands and feet in the world around us, to go be an encouraging word. So all of these things we receive today. And if you're here and you've never received the salvation and mercy of Jesus Christ, it's time for you to do that right now. Just say, Jesus, I receive your salvation. I'm a sinner, and I want to be saved. I want new life, eternal life in you. Maybe you are here and you've never experienced the Holy Spirit. It's time for you to do that right now. This is the gift that God has promised to all people. Just open up your heart and say, God, I want all you have for me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to be filled and anointed and filled with power and boldness to go out and do what you have called me to do, to live the life of faith that you have called me to live. I don't want to get stuck anymore in old sinful habits. I want the power of the Holy Spirit to be victorious in my life. If you've never done that, it's time to do that. Do that right now. Just receive the Holy Spirit. Say, God, I want everything you have for me. And maybe the message hits you today, and it's just that you have to go out and fulfill that great commission, that the gospel of Jesus Christ has to be more central in your life as you interact with people. 
just commit to the Lord that you're going to do that. Lord, I'm going to be about your great commission. I'm going to be founded on the gospel message of Jesus Christ. I'm going to have that be more a part of my conversations with my family, with friends, with coworkers. It's just going to be what I'm about. So Jesus, all these things, we make these commitments to you that we are going to live for you. We want to live for you. We want to be the church that you have called us to be. We want to be the followers that you have called us to be. So fill us, empower us, anoint us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you, Homestead Church. We're glad you're with us today. I'd love to meet you if you're new. Stick around, get to know some people. And then uh, watch Facebook, the Homestead Community Church Facebook page this week for all the last-minute details on the due days parades and all the summer events that are coming up. God bless you.